All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Monday night uh, study on A Course in Miracles, hosted through A School for A Course in Miracles and by A School for A Course in Miracles. And uh, so grateful to have this format available that we can learn from or we can unlearn from. Maybe it'd be a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, Tonight, the topic that I chose is willingness. Willingness. And I think if there was one word, one verb that would, that would describe the course in a nutshell, I think it would have to be the word willingness. That, that That's the whole course right there. And how do we gain willingness? Of course, we have trust to try a completely alien, alien thought system, which is the Holy Spirit. So we, we develop trust in, in that process. And thus, we are able to look and see our brother differently and ask for another way. Um, and indeed, that's the whole, that's the whole origins of the course. When Bill and Helen actually were so frustrated with the with what was going on in in their uh, their department there at uh, Columbia University, where they said, "There, you know, I'm just so." They were both so frustrated with the fighting and backbiting. They said, "There has to be another way. There has to be another way." And that's apparently where the course was generated, or that's when Jesus came in and said and gave them another way to look at the world. And uh, so uh, that, that, that's really the, the crux of that, that, that help, if you will, you know, that, that desperate call for help because like it as much as, you know, as much as we'd like to say, we, we come to this course out of our own, Oh, our, our, our good hearted resonance or, our, you know, good intentions. As a matter of fact, we, well, most of us have arrived here out of helplessness, out of complete feeling where we've been, where we've been broken down to the point where nothing else works. And so, and we realize that and we know we have another way. We know we have an option now. Uh, we know we have a decision maker we can go to. And, and, and that, becomes, that becomes the practice, is choose, choose again, choose again, and choose again. Okay, you were wrong, something happened, choose again. And, and there's unlimited opportunities to do that. Thankfully, the one thing we do do is we save time by taking, taking, Jesus's hand and letting the Holy Spirit walk us through the practice of forgiveness. So the world is weary, of course, we know that. Uh, and, and so this, the, the, the timing of our willingness is just perfect because uh, it goes right, right in sync with, with the events, if you will, in time that that point to the nothingness that is this world. Um, very, uh, very big point in the course. It says, you can do nothing alone. So obviously alone, our ego is very, very industrious and has devised all kinds of things by itself to protect us in a body and to continue the dream, which of course is its job. And it's done that, it, it does that very well. The ego is absolutely persistent. We have to realize, we have to realize what we're going up against here is something that will be absolutely consistent and persistent um, from, from the ego's standpoint, that, that that's, that's the job and of course, it absolutely is based on nothing 
but in the dream, we don't experience it that way. We, we, we clearly have a different experience. Um, what I'd like to do, so, so what we're talking about is duality. Duality is the whole, is the whole generation um, of the thought system that thinks that I could do it alone, that I could actually something significant or travel the thousand different paths that this world avails to us just to find, you know, emptiness and no meaning at the end. And so that, that, that thought system that says that I can do it alone is exactly why we have to ask for help. And we, we can just come to it, you know, absolutely uh, clear and uh, sincere and, and, and just ask, ask for help. I'd like to see this. I, I really, really have to see this differently. So um, if you'll turn to page 79 on the text, page 79 on the text, which is chapter five, And what we're what we're really talking about here is willingness, willingness, and in the in the world of duality, willingness has an opposite, which of course is not real, but it has an opposite called resistance, which would say that I do I, I resist absolutely having everything offered to me for absolutely no price, but I'm gonna resist that. So um, as, as wild as it seems, that's exactly what we do is, is we, for absolutely no cost, we are offered everything, but we choose resistance and, and, and we cling to it. And that's, and that's our, that becomes our salvation, literally. So on page 79, uh, You cannot understand yourself alone. This is because you have no, no meaning apart from your rightful place in the sonship. And the rightful place of the sonship is God. This is your life, your eternity, and yourself. It is of this that the Holy Spirit reminds you. So I apologize, that's, that's down in paragraph eight on the bottom of page 79. It is this that the Holy Spirit reminds you. And then, um, so the Holy Spirit is gonna remind us of something that, that already exists in us but we've lost total awareness of it in the dream, total awareness of, of, our, of our creation in the dream, of, of our inheritance. And so that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is there to do, to remind us about that. Um, then if we go to the text, chapter five, that's on page 380. It's going to talk about the little willingness, which is which is uh, chapter four of chapter or or part section four of chapter eighteen, the passing of the dream, the little willingness, and then um, skip down to uh, if you will to paragraph two on page three eighty, and it says. Explicitly, trust not your good intentions. So, trust not your good intentions. They are not enough. But trust implicitly your willingness. J 
just going to skip up to uh, paragraph one. The holy instant is the result of your determination to be holy. It is the answer. The desire and the willingness to let it come precede its coming. So we've actually invited this. Whatever you invite, that's what you'll see. So we invite this. Uh, you prepare your mind for it. It is only the extent of recognizing that you want it above all else. It is, it is not necessary that you do more. Indeed, it is necessary that you realize you cannot do more. So that's, that's the point of the handoff, you know, the, the help. That's the, that's the true humility that we'll find is literally you cannot do more. Um, and on page 380, uh, the, uh, The quote on page 380, and I apologize, I lost my reference for it, but um, <clears throat> it, and, and it says, I have come to give you the foundation so that your own thoughts can make you really free. So, of course, that's the Holy Spirit, that's Jesus. <clears throat> I have come to give you the foundation so that your own thoughts can make you really free. That's a beautiful way to sum, sum up our, the thought system that we, that we are accepting, you know. <clears throat> what, and so what appears to present a choice in the end is not. The real alternative is the only sane alternative and in the end, there is no choice because we have already chosen and, <clears throat> and it, it will be sure. Um, anybody have anything? Anything come up, David? Uh, yes, back here on page 380. Um, Sentence four, you prepare your mind for it only to the extent of recognizing that you want it above all else. I think it's interesting that they use the word recognize there because, you know, that, that's, that's what uh, gives us our motivation and, and connection, I think, um, to, to really ask sincerely. Yeah. That's great because I'm going to do a little thing on the word recognize. Of course, the Latin root to recognize, which means that, that to recognate again, which is something to, to recognize, you have to have already had the memory of it. That right. you, have to, you have to already know it to recognize it again. Yep. So somewhere, somewhere in there, we do remember the little child, you know, that, that we protect. That we to, to come home, you know, somewhere there is the memory, and I don't know. I'm never conscious of it. It's not conscious to me, but but I know it's there. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? I was thinking about that process of, uh, I mean, what does it look like to recognize that I really do want this above everything else? I mean, it almost like it feels like I have to set myself in a corner and say, now listen, Tim, <laughs> you know, this didn't work and that didn't work. And over and over and over, you tried all this stuff and it just didn't go anywhere. And so you might want to try something different <laughs> above all the other stuff you've been trying. I was just wondering what, how other people have recognized that they want to do that above all else. Fear, fear is a great motivator sometimes, Tim. It, when, 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 when you, once you're scared crapless, um, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll choose, you, you'll choose uh, uh, the highest answer you can get. 
Yeah. And, and you, you know, like I said, it, it's like to, it's like to believe we all came here with these lofty spiritual goals, like we all had, you know, in our younger days, but it's really out of desperation, you know. <clears throat> Anybody else have anything? Yes, I do. Um, and that is, any other way doesn't make you happy. You're just mm -hmm. not happy. And I think when you finally realize, hey, I'm not happy, <laughs> and I want to be happy, then you then it it the light bulb clicks on. And it doesn't yeah. happen once. It happens continuously, of course. Yeah, a continuous reminder of the that that we are miserable, you know, and we really are in in this condition, you know, without a decision maker, we are absolutely miserable. And and that's a great thing. <laughs> I remember a long time ago I was I was hitchhiking home from work and uh way back in the old days, way before the course. And this guy picked me up and, you know, I was doing yoga or something at the time. We got to talking about spiritual stuff. And I still remember, I still remember the one liner he said to me, he says, well, how holy do you want to be anyway? <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to say to that. <laughs> and that's, I think that's the question he's asking us here is in the first line, the holy instant is a result of your determination to be holy above all else. <laughs> so how holy do I want to be anyway? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Steve? Oh, yeah. I, real early in my life, um, uh, I uh, recognized or I noticed that uh, this place just doesn't work. I, you know, it was just... Hmm it was so obvious to me that uh, something was terribly wrong. And so I started asking questions. And one of the main questions I asked people is what is happy and what does that really mean? Uh, and, uh, you know, to finish this out, I was listening to Watney today and, uh, and he said, a lot of people come to the course later in life because there's a point in our lives somewhere along the, the way that we realize that nothing here works. And, so, so we, we, needed, we needed something. And, uh, and for me, I was searching and searching and searching. And when I got to the course, I said, oh, this seems to make sense. I'll just do this. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Stephen. May, may I speak? Sure. Brennan? Yeah, I'm Brennan. Um, well, first, the thing you talk about with, with willingness. Um you know, the anecdote about Helen asking Jesus, well, couldn't you just, just do this for me? Yeah. And he says, that's the whole, that's, that's the idea is like, why would I depreciate your power? You know, because the, where this is leading is like, you're going to realize you're me anyways, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. it's so clear to me that the, the, the novel aspect of A Course in Miracles, because there's a lot to choose from, there's a lot of saccharine, you know, artificial spirituality. Um, the whole idea is that it marries the platonic ideal with what Freud was doing by saying underneath there's something very wrong and it's a penultimate. You got to go through it. You got to go into the darkness to reach the heart of God. Thanks, Brandon. <clears throat> Yeah, I appreciate the reference to Freud. It, you know, we've studied that in a couple of immersions. And the fact that Freud got, got half of it right, there is no hope. <laughs> you know, he, he came to that conclusion. He got half of it right. You know, of course, I'm not sure he, you know, had, he didn't have access to what we have, the decision maker, which is the answer. Yeah. I was thinking about that story that Brendan was telling, and um, part of the story was uh, Jesus says to Helen, don't ask me to take away your fear, whatever the conscious fear was, but ask me to help you to get to the root of the what's going on, which was, you know, one way of saying, um, one way of saying, you know, that, that we're separate from God is, is, well, one synonymous thing with that is saying, I'm not holy and insisting I'm not holy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's so frustrating, I think, 
to for the ego when we're doing these current lessons about my holiness this and my holiness that and it develops out everything and and you're like oh just calm down a little go back to the negative stuff i can deal with that i don't know about this holiness stuff <laughs> how holy do i want to be anyway <laughs> but i mean I mean, that it's synonymous with when we do realize we, you know, like Jesus and, and, and I, we are one. We are holy. And that's what I threw out the window. <laughs> that's what caused my whole belief in the separation in the first place. I don't want to be holy. <laughs> Part of me didn't, or it seemed like it didn't. And then, of course, I had to pay the price for that, which is, uh, I think, the great motivator, like... Uh, a lot of us were talking about Dave and, and Donna and Stephen. Uh, this ain't working. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice thought. I'll try not being holy, but th this is really not, not a nice trip at all. <laughs> yeah, Jane? I think that uh, attaching to what Tim is saying is that the church didn't want us to be holy. Um, it wanted us to see Jesus as somebody far above us and somebody that we could not reach because that in thinking that and believing it, that's where all the guilt started and all the separation started because we thought we could not attain the oneness, that there was somebody way above us that was holier than we were. So it didn't like the holy part at all. The church didn't like the holy part at all. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, I remember that part, you know, in the rendition of the of the crucifixion that I knew or learned was where the, the at three o'clock that the, the curtain in the tabernacle gets torn in two, thus eliminating the, the gap between man and God. That 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 was like, oh, the Holy Spirit's loose now, you know. That that was the interpretation we were given. So classical interpretation yeah along with what jane was saying i realized that the church can't control you if you know you're holy nobody can control you i mean it's just a done deal and there's nothing to control but if i if if i think you're guilty and i convince you you're guilty man there's a lot of control in that <laughs> i can talk you into doing all kinds of things now <laughs> right if you're holy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> yeah, you're ripe for manipulation. <clears throat> hey, Bruce. Yep. Yeah, I, I was uh, listening to what, what Brennan was uh, saying and, and appreciating that. And it kind of tied into what you, one of the quotes you pulled that I know is in there. And I know I've read it before probably a few, a few times, a few dozen maybe. And it's the, the one in chapter five, section four, paragraph two, sentence seven, which just like, where did that come from? I have come to give you the foundation so your own thoughts can make you really free. That one just, I've been really just mulling that over the last few minutes. And it's like, wow, that really fits with the idea of, you know, to, to not deprecate the power of our minds, but we have to, you know, choose the right thought system. And with that foundation, you know, then, really there's there's no limit because the holy spirit will take us the rest of the way if we just start climbing the right ladder you know <laughs> yeah. yeah we we just need to get on the right ladder and stick with it and not worry about where we are on it but just just know that we've got the got the uh, right teacher and that's that's it we're good to go <laughs> thanks thanks bruce anybody else So I was playing around a little with the idea of, you know, the uh, the dual mind of me, you know, my 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 brain, my monkey brain, I was playing around with the idea of willingness as extension. And I yeah, I don't know if there was anything there, but it just it it just stuck me as like uh, you know the ego is just wrong-minded extension versus willingness can be can be an extension um and the fact that it, we're going to go to the text chapter nine uh and that's section two six and i apologize i didn't note the the uh the page is one 
163. And it's, uh, excuse me, 164. Paragraph six. And uh, the, the, what I had my notes about this said that prayer is the restatement of inclusion. And I think that's quoted here in this section, that prayer is actually the restatement of inclusion. So I really like that. That caught my attention. So we're going to go to, to paragraph six on the bottom of page 164 of the text. You can no more pray for yourself alone than you can find joy for yourself alone. Prayer is the restatement of inclusion directed by the Holy Spirit under the laws of God. Salvation is of your brother. The Holy Spirit extends from your mind to his and answers you. You cannot hear the voice for God in yourself alone because you are not alone. And his answer is only for what you are. And I thought that was just that, 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 that phrase just caught me. Prayer is the restatement of inclusion. <clears throat> so now if you turn back to the preface of the course, which is course preface is actually page eight, page eight of the preface. And this could give us a little background into, uh, into the course and its purpose. And, uh, The, the section that I would read would be, they don't have paragraph numbers on the preface, but it's the second paragraph, starting with the curriculum. That's page eight at the bottom, what it says. The curriculum the course proposes is carefully conceived and is explained step-by-step step at both the theoretical and practical levels. It emphasizes application rather than theory and experience rather than theology. It specifically states that a universal theology is impossible, but a universal experience is not only possible, but necessary. So <clears throat> the fact that you know, we're, we're all after that, that universal experience is literally what we've all had. We've had the holy instance. And that's exactly, that's exactly what bolsters our trust and keeps us on the path, keeps us, keeps us willing to take chances, to take, to take chances in the face of what, what tells us is, is absolute craziness to, you know, to, to, to actually lend, uh, ask for help from the Holy Spirit. You know, the body will tell you that's crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for an opening meditation, uh, if you go to text chapter nine, that's page 163. And then uh, Lynn, would you mind reading that? That's, that's uh, page 163. Um, which and paragraph, which paragraph, Jim? That's paragraph, I'm sorry, paragraph 13 and 14, which is just above the answer to prayer. Right, got Paragraph it. 13 and 14. Got it. That would be our okay. opening meditation. All righty. God in his devotion to you 
created you devoted to everything and gave you what you are devoted to. Otherwise, you would not have been created perfect. Reality is everything and you have everything because you are real. You cannot make the unreal because the absence of reality is fearful and fear cannot be created. As long as you believe that fear is possible, you will not create. Opposing orders of reality make reality meaningless. And reality is meaning. Remember then that God's will is already possible and nothing else will ever be. This is the simple acceptance of reality because only that is real. You cannot distort reality and know what it is. And if you do distort reality, you will experience anxiety, depression, and ultimately panic because you are trying to make yourself unreal. When you feel these things, do not try to look beyond yourself for truth, for truth can only be within you. Say therefore, Christ is in me, and where he is, God must be, for Christ is part of him. Thank you. We'll just spend a minute with that. Now, if you gently come back. <clears throat> yeah, so I know a lot of classes and a lot of focus lately about, or in the last couple of weeks, I would say about what fear does, you know, like fear. Um, what is that? You know, what is that all about? Fear. And <clears throat> It clearly is not real. It does not exist. And we know that. But yet, that's the, that's the only reason why we would trade everything with no cost for the world is because our fear level is so high. Our fear level of, of losing the experience of me. That that gets so, that that's, that's exactly the protective device that the ego will use. That, that I really, you know, uh, uh, I really don't want to lose my individuality and my, you know, my existence. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So, um, that, uh, that it is brilliantly stated. It is only within exactly. You don't look for it anywhere else because it's clearly a state of your own mind. And, uh, and your mind will tell you exactly who you've invited. Yeah, the line that jumped out at me in that meditation, page 163, that first line, paragraph 13. Um, God in his devotion to me, to us, <laughs> um, created us devoted to everything. And we sit with that idea. I, you know, I, there's places in the course where we've been noticing, I've been noticing lately, where God is thanking us. Not only do we thank him, but there's this reciprocal thing going on where God is thanking us. And, you know, I was thinking about what it, what it means to be 
devoted to something when I devote myself to the school or into a relationship it's like you know it's kind of like that's where I focus that's what I hold dear um that's what I hold sacred and uh and then I devote my time energy etc to that and but this idea of God being devoted to us I was watching my resistance (laughs) to uh to see even imagining what that I was thinking, I don't know about that. I feel like that's going to put a lot of responsibility on me. <laughs> if God's devoted to me, I got to really show up here <laughs> and be a good boy or something. I don't know. It was kind of freaking me out just thinking about what does that mean? God's devoted to me. So almost like a willingness to I let that in, a willingness to allow me to feel that, what that feels like. To have that, you know, we always talk about being devoted to God and devoted to the path and all that kind of stuff. Well, what does that, how does, how is that reciprocal? What does that mean? God's devoted to us as his son. Hmm. Yeah, I always like the reference when, you know, like where you make your altar, you know, that that is always said a lot to me is, you know, just where, where, where your altar is, you know. That's where your commitment is. That's where, yeah, that's where your faith is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jim, I'm, I'm reminded of um, where you started this out being uh, the little willingness. And in the section, the little willingness is where he does have that beautiful prayer that says, um, to Tim's point, I who am host to God am worthy of him. You know, that's the issue. We don't think we're worthy of him because there's still the belief that uh, we're guilty, that we don't deserve it. So this declaration that um, uh, he who established his dwelling place in me created it as he would have it be. And my arrogance is, no, it's the way I've made it up and the way I think it is. Instead of, you know, he's created the dwelling place um, uh, that's as he would have it be. And so it's not needful that I make any preparations uh, or make myself more holy or make myself better or improve upon myself in any way it's not needful that I make it ready for him but only only that I do not interfere (laughs) that I do not interfere with his plan to restore me to my own readiness I don't even have to make myself ready he will restore me to my own readiness and it keeps taking out any possibility that there's something that I need to do here you know to make myself worthy and that would be the ego's ploy it would say oh you got to do something here to make yourself worthy to receive this you you've got to make some improvements or fix yourself you're not ready yet and yet in this place he says um uh restore me to my own awareness awareness of my readiness which is eternal (laughs) i'm eternally ready (laughs) i'm ready always, now, <laughs> eternally. Uh, I need to add nothing to his plan, but to receive it, I must be willing again, not to substitute my own in place of it. So, you know, there's so little that we need to do to be, um, uh, to receive, but that little willingness is everything to turn in that direction of the Holy Spirit. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, I just... Uh, for those who, who, uh, of us who struggle as to whether we're worthy enough or not, <laughs> there's the prayer to remember. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. Jane? Along with that, I've been thinking a lot in the last few weeks and working, living, let the, letting the Course live through me is the sentence, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we can come to that realization in true hum- humility, 
knowing that we really know nothing, we don't look at on it as something that's awful. We look on it as becoming willing to go to the Holy Spirit who knows everything. So for me, I've really been thinking about that a lot because otherwise I'm not open-minded. If I think I know something, why in the world would I go to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's just really been, I don't know, a real eye-opener after being in the course of 3,000 lives and everything else, <laughs> just to really think about that, that that is really a principle of a course is the open-mindedness. And that sentence will make you, make me, makes me really look at open-mindedness so that I will go to the Holy Spirit because that's the only answer. Thank you. Yeah, thanks Thank for that you. reminder. Stephen? Um, yeah, I'm almost constantly, all day long I'm looking at the ego just to, just to see what ego's doing. Um, because I think that's pretty much kind of my job, and and uh, ego is uh, is is often uh, whispering in my ear, "You better be a little bit nervous. You don't really have this. You know, you better you better be some insecure, um, and and you better watch out and and yada yada and and over and over." But Jesus counters that in here. Um, I saw it one time and I've carried it with a long time, seemingly a long time. He says in here somewhere, what, what you need to go to Lynn's point is an unconcerned readiness. So we have to get comfortable with the, I have to get comfortable with the ego. Um, and I have to get to a point of unconcerned readiness. And I've found that anytime uh, there's anything like true perception or a holy instant, or a, I feel like I'm saved for a minute or everything's okay. There, there's a lack of concern in it. There's just a, a comfort, uh, a comfort in, in, in my, uh, uh, in my right mind. And, uh, and I know that I'm there and there's no way to really explain that, but it's that unconcerned readiness. Well, that's a wonderful thing for me to hear. I could do that. Thank y'all. Thanks, Stephen. Boy, when, when Stephen said that, I started singing that Christmas song, you better not pout, you better not cry. Santa Claus is watching you all the time. You better be a good boy. I suddenly freaked out. <laughs> I got goosebumps. No, <laughs> no presents, just a lump of coal. <laughs> yeah, that's what God's doing. He's watching me all the time, making sure. <laughs> he Rick. sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Along those lines, I, I, in response to Stephen's comment, I was thinking, so is Jesus saying, appoint me as your babysitter, you know, of, of your mind? <laughs> Rather than trying to do it yourself, you know, giving the three-year-old authority to, to watch over the two-year-old, maybe that kind of thing in the household, right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might not work out so well, but, you know, get the adult in the room going on. Going on. <laughs> yeah. Ross, you got anything? Not so far. Okay. Sucking it all in. And and so you know, I, I looked at I looked at fear, like fear, you know, is the reason behind what is the what is fear's purpose? You know, like like Ken always says is like ask what is the purpose of anything? What is it for? And I think, you know, Stephen, like what you talked about is it's kind of like even at its best, there's a low-grade fear just kind of running beneath the surface. At our best moment with the ego, it's just a low-grade fear just like, yeah, you better be careful. You better watch out. You know, you, you, the, the, the shoe's going to fall. The, you know, the other shoe's going to drop. That the, It's just always there, persistent. Always a persistent thing. Um, and and the, low grade, the low grade is F, right? So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I came up with it. The fear is the main component of duality. I mean, not that we have to oppose fear or, you know, just, just to ask what is its purpose. Fear keeps duality fueled. So getting back to the, to the, the word recognize. So, so, 
you know, we, we, we know we are children of God. We know we aren't God's holy son. And we know from the recent lessons that that's true. It's, we, we are reminded that and we know it's the truth. The word re recognize to recognize Latin root R to re to know or to, to see to know or see again to perceive as existing or true is a definition to perceive as existing or true so and it's 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 always seems to be helpful to have a reminder about that especially with those those recent lessons <clears throat> And then if you will uh, turn to the uh, chapter 18 on page 380 of the text, um, it's the section that Lynn referred to, the little willingness. The little willingness. <clears throat> so, the holy instant is the result. This is right, section four, paragraph one. The holy instant is the result of your determination to be holy. It is the answer. The desire and the willingness to let it come precede its coming. You prepare your mind for it only to the extent of recognizing, recognizing that you want it above all else. that you realize that you cannot do more. It is not necessary for that you do more. Indeed, it is necessary that you realize that you cannot do more. <clears throat> do not attempt to give the Holy Spirit what he does not ask, or you will add the ego to him and confuse the two. Then again, jump down to... Uh, to paragraph two, we'll reread that, that this first sentence. Trust not your good intentions. They are not enough. You know, we're all, we all just want to be helpful and do all, you know, yeah. We all want to do something, right? <clears throat> and then paragraph three, humility will never ask that you remain content with littleness but it does require that you be not content with less, with less than greatness that comes not of you. Greatness that comes not of you. Your difficulty with the Holy, with the Holy Instant arises from your fixed conviction that you are not worthy of it. So we've all got the same common problem. We're sin, you know, sin, guilt, and fear. We're, we're the home of evil, darkness, and sin. And that's exactly how we see ourselves every morning. And what it is this, but the determination to be as you would make yourself. Jump down to paragraph four. The holy instant does not come from your little willingness alone. It is always the result of your small willingness combined with the unlimited power of God's will. So it, it, it's just, to, to, you know, it's so beautiful in the, in the face of everything that we believe is a healthy ego that we, 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 we're just asked for a little willingness. That's all. And then it just, yeah, it's just like that's that's all we're asked. That's all we're asked to do. And sort of getting back and revisiting that willingness versus resistance thing. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, studying the course versus actually practicing 
true forgiveness. It's like, um, yeah. Anybody have anything? And then paragraph seven, if we jump down to paragraph seven, or let me, let me just read the paragraph five, the, the prayer. I who am host to God am worthy of him. That worthiness thing that we, that we suffer from. I who am host to God am worthy of him. He who established his dwelling place in me created it as he would have it be. It is not needful that I make it ready for him, but only that I do not interfere with his plan to restore me, to restore to me my own awareness of my readiness, which is eternal. What you were talking about, Lynn. I need add nothing to his plan, but to receive it, I must be willing not to substitute my own in place of it. Of course, and our, our will is always trying to interject its way, you know, into God's will. And then down to paragraph seven, it actually, um, it goes on to explain salvation is easy just because it asks nothing. Absolutely no sacrifice involved at all. And that's, that's what it is. It is absolutely simple and easy because it asks nothing. And paragraph eight, Forgot, forget, forget not that it has been your decision to make everything that is natural and easy for you impossible. What a great, what a great, yeah. <clears throat> I think, didn't Bruce, didn't you use that in one of your lampooning? Uh, I'm, your... Su I'm sure. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, there's so much humor in that when you think about how- Everything that is natural and easy how, impossible. How hard we work at making things difficult, you know, it's just- Yeah. For ourselves, yeah. it's pretty pretty humorous from that perspective. Yeah, not from where we think we're at, but yeah, from where we really are. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. If you believe the holy instant is difficult for you, it is because you have become the arbiter of what is possible, and remain unwilling to give place to one who knows, one who knows capitalized, the one who knows. The whole belief in orders of difficulty and miracles is centered on this. Everything God wills is not only possible, but has already happened. And that is why the past is gone. It never happened in reality, only in your mind, which thought it did is its, is its undoing needful. Only in your mind do we have to do we have to dismantle the dream or do we have to allow the dream to evaporate? So that's all we got. That's all we got to do. <laughs> I was looking at uh, I was looking at paragraph six um, after you read the italics thing. Um, I must be willing not to substitute my own idea of how all this works in place of the Holy Spirit's, and then six that and that is all. Add more, and you will merely take away the little that is asked. Remember, you made guilt, and that your plan for the escape from guilt has to br has been to bring atonement to it. And I was like, what? 
So I was thinking about what I think what Jane was saying earlier. I mean, we have all whole religions built on our belief that we're unworthy, that we are guilty. And then we bring the way atonement is looked at even historically in the church is Jesus had to suffer and die for our sins, for our guilt. That was the atonement. The atonement was what Jesus did on the cross because guilt was alive and well and sin was alive and well in us, the unworthy. <laughs> and then what do we got to do? If Jesus has to suffer and die on the cross to atone for sins, good Lord, what do I have to do? <laughs> How much do I have to sacrifice to, to even make it a little way up the ladder? And then you got bad boys like, you know, other bad boys on the screen that are even worse than me. And how far, what do they got to do to atone? <laughs> I just wanted to point out too, that I think this is kind of cool. When Brendan, was, when Brendan was here earlier, there were 50% of the people on the screen were guys. That's a real milestone. Wow. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> go guys, go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anybody That's have very you? weird because I was just, uh, pardon me for butting in, doing the same thing. Except I got 10 out of 21 guys. And I thought, that's pretty good. And then Carol shows up and that brought our numbers down. But thanks a lot, Carol. Oh. So sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Steven? Well, yes, at the risk of almost getting controversial here, uh, I, I just want to point out, and it's important for me to smile and remember this gender is totally. 100% irrelevant. Just saying. <laughs> some smiles. Did some you like, that again? I didn't, I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah. Uh, gender is irrelevant. Ah. Uh, so is everything else. It's all, you know. <laughs> Last night, we watched the uh, the Bill Murray classic movie, The the razor's edge. And I, I, I'm remembering throughout the day that his, his line that is sort of his mantra, it doesn't matter. It uh -huh. doesn't matter. <laughs> it's been staying with me throughout the day. Yeah. <laughs> Which is any, anything in, in form or in the dream doesn't matter. Yes. IDM, the ideology. Anybody else have anything? So what I would just like to conclude is, uh, if you will, um, read, uh, we'll go back and read paragraph seven and eight on page 382, uh, the passing of the dream, paragraph seven and eight. And uh, Tim, would you do the honors, please? So that's paragraph seven and eight on page 382? Yes. Alrighty. We'll just get quiet for a minute. It is this that makes the holy instant so easy and so natural. You make it difficult because you insist there must be more that you need do. You find it difficult to accept the idea that you need give so little to receive so much. And it is very hard for you to realize that it is not personally insulting that your contribution and the Holy Spirit's are so extremely disproportionate. Mm. You are still convinced that your understanding is a powerful contribution to the truth and makes truth what it is. Yet we have emphasized that you need understand nothing. Salvation is easy just because it asks nothing you cannot give right now. Forget not, forget not that it has been your decision to make everything that is natural and easy for you impossible. If you believe the holy instant is difficult for you, it is because you have become the arbiter of what is possible and remain unwilling to give place to one who knows. The whole belief in orders of difficulty in miracles is centered on this. Everything God wills is not only possible, but has already happened. And that is why the past is gone 
It never happened in reality, only in your mind, which thought it did. And is its undoing needful? Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Everybody. Thank you, Jim. See everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.